All right, well, over the coming months, we're going to be looking in depth at living a life of spiritual renewal. Um, there's certain practices that the church, uh, you know, informed by Scripture and, and often commanded by Scripture, but for thousands of years, consistently, consistently across the global church, there's certain patterns that Christians, certain, you know, paths of following Jesus that have been carved out by generation after generation of Christians that we're going to be talking about for months. Um, practices such as prayer and fasting, the reading and studying of scripture, generosity, silence and solitude, Sabbath keeping, justice and racial reconciliation, hospitality, repentance, confession of sin, how to lament. All of these practices have been present in the church for a very long time. And these are the things that on a daily basis help cultivate the life of spiritual renewal. Um, you know, in Second Corinthians 4.16, Paul, in a really difficult, hard-pressed season of life, you can read that chapter, he was able to say things like, though I'm suffering and the outer body is wasting away, he says, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day as a life of daily spiritual renewal. And communion with God is one of the most central foundational pieces to living that life of daily spiritual renewal. So praise be to Jesus for his life, death, and resurrection, um, who has uh, given us access to God through his Holy Spirit. So uh, to launch this next uh, phase in the sermon series, I hope that, you know, I think the Lord has exceeded our expectations in this kind of phase one that um, I wasn't planning on doing until almost May, but the Lord had changed that calendar date, that calendar date date for that, and I'm very thankful that he did. So um, Pastor Jim is going to be launching us off this morning into the next month or so about prayer. So I'm hanging it off now to, um, to Pastor Jim. Good morning. morning. You can hear my voice is not quite what it usually is, I think. I could stand up this morning and say, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> Yesterday morning I was fine and I started feeling something coming on during the day. Last night, felt a little bit more. At five o'clock this morning, I woke up. Lord, I don't know if I could do this today. But I'm preaching on the power of prayer. So Jesus, I'm calling on your name and asking you to give me strength and renew me. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. I don't know about you, but these, this, these last few weeks, I'm standing over there. I, it was hard for me not to sing today. I was trying to preserve my voice. But these last few weeks have just been amazing weeks as God has begun the spirit of renewal in my life. And I know in a lot of your lives, if not every one of you, I hope every one of you. And I find myself standing as I was over there just crying. Oftentimes when I'm thinking about Jesus and what he's doing and what he has done for me and what he's doing in our hearts 
and, and I'm praying, I just find myself in tears, and I can't hold. So if I start crying in the middle of this sermon, you know, it's not, you know, it's just, it's just the Lord's doing. So praise God, praise God for what He is about. And you know, last week was glorious, was it not? Amen. But is it okay if I share what you said yesterday, honey? I guess it is now because I just said it in public. <laughs> Donna said yesterday, you know, I, I, yet last Sunday was so wonderful. And I find myself thinking, afraid that it's not going to continue or afraid that it's, it, you know, I want to hold on to that. But God's not done. He's just beginning. And what I said to her was, you know, last, last Sunday was wonderful, but, you know, we can't be like Peter and the t other two disciples on the mountain when they saw Jesus in his glorified state with Moses and Elijah. And they, let's just build a, let's build a tabernacle right here for you, Lord. We just want to stay here. And we can cling to what God does in a moment of time or in a Sunday morning and, and hold on to that. And then over here, he's doing something new and we might miss that. So just trust God is going to continue to work. He's going to continue to do what he's begun. He's going to bring it to completion. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I am talking about the power of prayer this morning. That's what Daniel tasked me to, to do. And um, I, I hope as we begin this series of messages you know I, I, we during the pandemic we often heard that catchphrase we're in this together you know the presenting the idea that we can get through this if we get you know if we if we remember we're in this together and I kind of think that in the months ahead as we study these disciplines of the faith and these um, practices of the faith that we can kind of adopt that that we're in this together and we're going to get to where God wants us to go as we cultivate these rhythms in our lives and, and, and continually experience the renewal and the refreshing that God has for us and, the, and, and development of a closer relationship with him. So Daniel asked me, I'd like to say that he asked me to start this series on, on prayer because you know, I know everything that there is to know about prayer. <laughs> but that ain't so. That is not true by a long shot. But I trust that as I, even as I prepared for this message and we hear Pastor Will preaching next week and Daniel the following week on prayer and, and, and as we walk through these things that we're going to find that there are areas in each of our lives that you know, we, in these spiritual disciplines or practices that we're weak in or we're novices at. Other areas we may be stronger, but no matter where we are in our walk with the Lord, no matter where we are in these various practices of the faith, there is always room for more growth, more understanding in the Lord. So... The power of prayer. Primarily, I'm going to be looking at 
the last few, almost the last few verses of James chapter 5, there are millions of places in the scripture where we can start when we're talking about the power of prayer. And it's hard to know exactly where to focus. This is where I believe one, the Lord led me in this. And it's James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18 is what we're going to be looking at. So, our life in Christ begins with some sort of prayer of surrender to him. Whether it's the classic sinner's prayer, Lord, however that is spoken, you've heard it various ways you know I know I'm a sinner I know you died on the cross for my sins to pay the penalty for my sins and I know I need you and I ask you to come into my life or whether it's that or or simply understanding that and a cry of desperation that says Lord save me whatever it is in the aftermath of a prayer like that that cry of desperation we experience the power of prayer because when we pray that prayer in whatever form it takes after that nothing is the same everything changes we become new creatures in Christ what we were we are no longer Jesus said in John chapter 5 the gospel of John Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. We go from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God's dear son. We were one way, to quote a well-known Series that many of us may be watching now. I was one way and now I'm another. And the thing that happened in between was him, Jesus. We have personally experienced the power of prayer at the very outset of our Christian walk when we receive Christ into our lives. The power of prayer does not reside in the words that we speak. The power of prayer doesn't come from a ritual of some kind. It doesn't come by speaking or using a simple, or some sort of formula. The power of prayer resides in a person and the person is Jesus Christ. That's where the power comes from. Amen. So this morning I want to look at this passage of scripture for a few minutes from James chapter 5 and the 13th through the 18th verses. And in this passage of scripture, there's a form of the word pray, pray, prayer, prayed, praying, used seven times in six verses. Let's read through it as we begin. Is anyone among you suffering, James says? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. 
That's what the Lord reminded me this morning when I felt sick and I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't even need to call the elders of the church. I just called on him. And he raised me up out of that bed when I didn't think I could make it. Praise God. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Father, we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would illuminate the word to our hearts, give us a deeper understanding as we launch out into studying this whole area of prayer in these next few weeks. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we don't want to simply stop at hearing the word this morning. Um, James says in the first chapter of this book that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves for anyone is a hearer if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and once at once forgets what he was like so after I'm finished preaching and we're not going to go very long this morning we want to have a time of prayer we want to activate the faith that God gives us. We want to put into practice what we learn from his word, right? We need to do that. So in the course of these six verses, as I said, James mentions prayer seven times in connection with different ways of praying, you might say. He starts out by saying, If you are suffering, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Let him pray. So how is the power of prayer manifested when we are suffering and we reach out to the Lord? The word suffering here can refer to physical suffering. It can refer to suffering as a result of hardship or persecution or loss. Persecution particularly is in view here because James was writing to the churches that were under persecution or to the, I think at the very beginning in verse one, he says, uh, to the 12 tribes and the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds for the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So he was talking to a group of people who were suffering persecution for their faith in Jesus. But this word suffering here can refer to other kinds of suffering as well. And in any of these sufferings of, uh, that we endure, <clears throat> God is as near as our cry. Just as he hears our cry, Lord, save me. Lord, come into my life and we're born again. He is, as we walk with him, as close to us as our cry of desperation to him in our suffering. And what happens? What happens when we're suffering? And we cry out to the Lord, excuse me, 
Well, two th- one of two things can happen. First of all, he may relieve that suffering. He may remove whatever it is that is causing that suffering, that tribulation in our lives. Or he may give us the peace and the strength to endure whatever he's taking us through because we cannot deny the fact that suffering, that tribulation is going to come in our lives. Jesus said it. In this world, you have much tribulation, but I've overcome the world. And so we can endure through those times of trial and hardship and pain and suffering, physical or whatever it is, by the grace and power of God, Philippians 4, 7, we'll read it a little bit later, uh, says that, that he will give us peace that passes all understanding. I pray for that so often when I pray for someone who's going through something to give that peace that passes all understanding. It passes all understanding because the world doesn't know it. It's a different kind of peace. It's a God kind of peace. So in the midst of our suffering, James says that we, you, you pray. You pray to God. You call out to him. You cry out to him. And we'll experience as a result of that prayer, either the removal of that thing or the endurance to get through it. That's a demonstration of the power of prayer. The second thing Paul or uh, James says is that if you are cheerful, sing praise. I was diverting a little bit from prayer, but praise can be prayer. I would make a distinction between them. Most people would, but praise can be prayer. And so, since it can be a form of prayer, if, if nothing else, they go hand in hand. God demonstrates his power in praise. Psalm 49, uh, 149 verse 6 says that uh, we, the high praises of God should be in our mouths and a double-edged sword in our hands. That speaks of spiritual warfare, which is a form of prayer. We can often praise our way out of a situation, out of difficulty. It's counterintuitive to the world. Why would you want to praise when you're going through? Well, that's because God says it. And if he says it, then that's what we ought to do. And when we do it, we experience something in our hearts, a change, a strength, uh, uh, an overcoming of that situation that we're in. So he says to pray when you're suffering, praise when you're cheerful. And then he says, let the elders of the church, if, you are, if you're sick, call the elders of the church and let them anoint you with oil and pray for you. And that the prayer of faith will raise up the one who is sick. And his, if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Now this is a challenging passage, I know. Um, we can't, but one we can't ignore. Some commentators over the years have concluded that 
that the word sick here, the Greek word, can equally be translated weak. And so the prayer that's prayed by the elders over the person who is weak will give them strength and raise them up. That's entirely possible. But you look at almost every single translation, English translation of the scriptures, and it the word that is uh, the word is sick. It's sick, and it refers to physical sickness. So we can't deny the fact that probably, primarily, it's referring to physical sickness. Now, for many, many years, we have been praying for the sick when they come forward as elders, and we'll anoint them with oil and pray for them. We can't say that every time that that we do that, that the person is healed. But it has happened, right, Jim? It has happened. And I pray and trust that it's going to happen more and more, especially as we see God moving in these days. We're going to continue to be obedient to do what the scripture says we should do. So when you are suffering, you pray. You call out to God. Or praise God if you're cheerful. But also, if you're suffering from sickness, call on the elders, the under-shepherds of the church, and allow them to anoint you with oil and pray for you. And the prayer and faith that's offered in faith is going to have a result. Amen? Amen. But it's not just the elders that you can call upon to pray and shouldn't be the elders that you just alone who you call upon to pray. It says in the next verse, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for one another. If you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, you have in him, you have him in you and you can pray for others for healing as well. And you should. We are The apostle Peter said in his epistle, a royal priesthood. There is a priesthood of all believers. It's not just a certain number of people who are are, uh, appointed to that. We are, as the church, a royal priesthood. You don't have to be an elder. You don't have to be a deacon. You don't have to be a ministry leader. You can pray for others. And the... the, uh, interesting thing about this verse is that it precedes that with confessing your sins to one another this is something that I think we all probably I don't most of us I won't say all most of us need to an area in which we need to grow I think that there's a tendency for us to be reluctant to confess our sins to one another. Why? Because we think like, I'm the only one that's dealing with this in my life. I know nobody else is dealing with this. I can't confess this. Other, others may think that uh, others may think that they'll be judged because of the confession that they make to another person. Church, we need to 
do away with that kind of thinking. We are all on a journey of faith. Yes, we are saints, but we're sinners saved by grace. And we still stumble and we still falter and we still fall. And we need to develop that humility and that vulnerability that will enable us to do this. You see, because when we confess our sins before God, that's something that he is asking us to do and and something that we need to do. But when we confess our sins before others, there's an added dimension there. I mean, you you have the when you're confessing before someone else, that person has the opportunity to pray for you, of course. But something breaks when that confession happens. Confession is just bringing something into the light of God and the light of truth. Jesus, uh, or John says in, in 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And this word confession carries with it a, a connotation of, <clears throat> of just agreeing with God, yes, I failed, but I know your grace is great and your mercy is great and you will forgive me. But this element of confessing to one another adds a dimension to that power of that prayer to humble ourselves before one another. The next verse says, or the, the last part of that verse says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, you may be healed. That the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. The righteousness that James is speaking of is not a righteousness that we have in and of ourselves, right? That righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus that is imputed and imparted to us because of his perfect sinless life and his death on the cross and our accepting of that work. And so that righteousness becomes our righteousness. Not a righteousness of our own, but a righteousness of Jesus working in us as we pray for one another. James concludes by saying, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months, and it did not rain. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. Sometimes we look at those heroes of the scripture and we think, wow, they're, they're just so different than I am. They were so different than I am, but they weren't. God is the one who qualified them to be and to do what they did. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's true. He qualifies us to minister in his power 
Elijah was no different than we are. And we can effectively and fervently pray for others and for whatever God puts before us to pray for and expect that there will be results. The power of prayer will work to change lives and change situations, change hearts, to do far greater things than we can imagine. The power of prayer is evident throughout all of Scripture. Deliver the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. It says at the end of Exodus chapter 2, God heard their cries and remembered his covenant with them, and he sends Moses to deliver them. The power of prayer spared the Israelites in their rebellion as Moses interceded on their behalf. The power of prayer was demonstrated through great prophets like Elijah as he called on God to defeat the prophets of Baal and to raise the dead. The power of prayer was evident in that. The power of prayer defeated the enemies of the people of Israel and Judah. The power of prayer opened wombs that were closed and closed the mouth of lions. It opened prison doors, healed the sick, caused the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and cast out demons. All throughout scriptures, we see this power demonstrated. It was obvious, of course, in the ministry of Jesus. All throughout his ministry, he did all of these things as he encountered people who who came to him He spent long nights in prayer, in communion with his father, receiving the power that he needed to do the things that he did. Just do a search on the power of prayer and you see scripture after scripture, just a few, just to name a few. Therefore, I tell you, Mark 11, 24, Jesus' words, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgivings, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus' words in John 14, 13 and 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This whole study on the power of prayer is beyond the scope of a single Sunday morning sermon, but I trust that God has spoken to your hearts in some way this morning. And I trust that as we enter into a time of prayer, Pastor Daniel's going to come to lead us in that, that God will honor your prayers, I know he will, and that you'll experience even today that power that comes through prayer. Pastor Daniel.